All right, yep, that's it. Everybody relax. It's all good. Taz is here. Have no fear, as they say. Thank you for downloading this episode, people. And uh, thanks for subscribing to my content. Uh, We're at around episode 702. If you're not subscribing by now, you're a straight jobber. And a fucking jabroni, to be honest with you. But welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for downloading it on Apple Podcasts, maybe Radio.com, maybe on Stitcher, maybe on Spotify. There's a plethora of spots to bring the Taz Show into your life, and I appreciate you doing that. And we have someone that's on this episode with yours truly who is basically part of the show for a long time. He's not even a guest, okay, but he is Mike Johnson. He is the sensei of good moment. Good moment, Mr. Johnson. Good moment, Taz. How are you? Oh, man, it's great to hear your voice. It's been a long time since we've done any audio together. I'm, I'm right. It's been a while, no? I know. Speaking of jobbers and jabronis, you've been treating me like one. I hear it now. Johnson has heat with Taz. No, he doesn't. <laughs> we were joking around. No, there's no heat. No, so never heat with you. That's tough for me. For you to get heat with me is hard. Um, no, no, you're, you're the man. No, because you know me. I don't like really anyone, and uh, and I don't like most in the business. Um, you know, but you, I like. I mean, for some reason, I like Mike Johnson. I don't know why. I just do. So, and that's been like this for a long time. I don't know why either, but I appreciate it. I know many have told me that. Why do you like Mike? I don't know. No, no, I'm kidding. So we, now you sound like my parents. I know, right? So there's a lot to come. <laughs> Let me say this one thing though, Mike, because. Now, I know sometimes you listen to my show. A lot of times I'll listen to your your audio and you and Dave do stuff on PW Insider. So I don't know if you've ever listened to my show on radio.com or how do you, if you listen to the Taz Show podcast, what do you normally, do you go on Apple Podcasts? How do you- oh, I, 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 do, I, do radio, I do the radio.com app. I listen to it on my phone when I'm driving and like when I'm traveling. Perfect. That's, I'm glad you said that. And now that's not set up. It sounds like a work. The reason why I want. No, really. No, it really wasn't. I, I know, I'm, being, I'm being truthful. And, and the- I don't listen. I don't listen to a lot of podcasts. And the only time I really do is when I'm driving somewhere yeah. because just because I don't want to listen to the, I don't like, I'm, I'm older now. I don't listen to what's considered top 40 radio anymore you know it's right, uh right. so i just listen to people talk <laughs> right you know i think most people do that on demand you can listen to what you want i do the same thing i'm not huge into listening to podcasts either i think when you're a content provider you kind of you know you either need a break from it or you listen to music or you don't I sometimes dude i'll be in a car like leaving manhattan i don't i don't i listen to the sound of manhattan sound the amb- ambience i'm fucking sick of hearing about sports wrestling i, I need a break you know what i mean <laughs> well it's also you know you mentioned being like a content producer you know i'm always chasing stories and i'm writing things and i'm giving my opinions i don't want someone else's opinion to seep into my brain i don't want what i do to be affected uh, by something right. that i heard or something that i think about wow. because of what somebody else said elsewhere now you're gonna you know, no, I want no, no, my so now clear you're, you know? you're just gonna hack me on my own podcast my own the Taz show oh. you've been part of hundreds of Taz shows and now you're gonna hack shit i've been saying for five years bro please come on see this is why i don't listen to anything because it seeps in my brain <laughs> see you've ruined me <laughs> Uh, by the way, I should have told you um, offline, or I had Brian, my producer, tell you this. You don't need it right this second, but 
Do you have either a glass or a bottle of water anywhere near you as we discuss and talk about things on this podcast? I do. Good. No need to go. You're familiar, I'm sure, with the water break gimmick on the Taz show. It's a big part mm-hmm. of it. I'm, I'm well, I'm well okay, aware. Okay, so it's going to happen at some point. I'll, you'll know. You'll get the heads up. You'll hear it. There's only one other person that had done a, a, a water break, water break Jones with Taz, and it's Conrad Thompson, big boy Jones, big Haas, right? Mm-hmm. Connie, as big we call Haas. him. Yeah, he's big Haas. He's my new friend. I used to hate him. Now I love him. So You did used to hate him. That's funny. I know. That's how I am. You know how I am. So, yeah, I know. So you, at some point, it's a big moment for you. You are going to get not just a good moment, a big moment, because you're going to get to do a, a water break with me. How fortunate are you? So it's just great. My whole life has been building to this moment. <laughs> so anyways, uh, radio.com. See how I circle back? That's called being a professional mm-hmm. broadcaster. So the thing is, I don't know if you know this, Mike, but there's been an issue, okay, the past like three days with radio.com. And it's not just radio.com. The company that uh, the show's on the contract to, Entercom. There was a little hack Jones. There was a little problem, and it's been in the media. The whole email system and everything, corporate-wide, nationwide, <laughs> it's fixed now. Thank you. Everything's cool, apparently. But that that affected the radio, radio.com. So anybody out there who's listening now and maybe you had a problem and had to jump to a different way to grab the podcast, I apologize for the inconvenience. So, you know me, I'm fucking just a nice guy, and I wanna, I'm a big baby face. So, sorry. You know, basically, that's really it. All right? So, there you go. Is that good, Mike? Was that smooth the way I did that? I thought it was very smooth. All right, great. So a lot to cover here, Mike Johnson. You, sir, were very popular uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, whatever it was, because of the CM Punk gimmick, Uh, the interview, Big Time Jones, pay-per-view, big star. You're like uh, Walter Cronkite, like Bobble Walters with CM Punk. And Punk handpicked you. And which is very cool, you know. You have a long history with Punk, and and he handpicked you. He didn't want anybody else to to chat with him and interview him. And he's been kind of, you know, quiet uh, with the wrestling community for the most part, right? I mean, I know he's doing a lot of stuff with MMA. He's done some commentary and stuff like that. I know that, but I thought that was very cool that you know a guy to the level of Punk comes out and just doesn't want to sit with anyone but Mike Johnson. I was happy for you and I'm proud of you. So that's very cool. Thank you. I like I was I was as surprised as anybody when I got the call. And basically it was like Punk feels you're fair and he feels you'll be fair to him and he wants you to do it. And I hadn't spoken to him since before he went to WWE, you know, obviously, you know, Ring of Honor and the Independence. And uh, I was like, all right, cool. And then I saw him backstage and I said, is there anything you don't want to talk about? And he went, ah, we'll live in the moment. Surprise me. I said, okay. Nice. And next thing I know, I was out on stage saying hello to everybody. So it was, uh, it was, it was, it was an intro. We went longer than we were supposed to. And it was completely off the top of our heads. And I'll let everybody know a little funny thing. I walked out with a piece of paper and it was basically like 25 potential topics in case, in case I had a brain fart on stage, just so I have a backup plan, just in case I put it down on the right. table, punk walked out and he put his hat down on the paper and I couldn't see it. So my whole idea was to like do a quick, quick glance just in case I needed like something to like spark my spark my creativity. Instead, all I got was his Cubs hat. So uh, there you go. <laughs> the Cubs logo, the whole lot. It's fucking great. So, so there you go. Hundred minutes of me tap dancing on stage, going, "All right, what am I going to talk about next with this guy?" Um, uh, but well, it, it was well, fun. What you, what you did there, though, even though you couldn't look at the notes, that was very smart. That's a, that's a smart thing in broadcasting. You know, and you know this, Mike. You over prepare. A lot of people don't know that. You have you have 
usually, you know, you overprepare, you have too much information, and you know you're not going to get to all those questions, but it's always good to have extra. That's just like broadcasting 101. But you also got to realize sometimes someone's hat can cover it up, and then you're kind of fucked, and that's what happened to you. And and I definitely overprepared for it. I did a lot of research, and I went back and watched a lot of matches. And honestly, you know, if we're going to pierce the veil of kayfabe here, like there were other things that I was invited to do that weekend at StarCast. Conrad had like a couple of other suggestions, and I was like, you know what? I'm doing this. And that's your main event. I'm not concentrating on anything else but this this time. Next time, I'll come back and do some whatever you want. You know, when I was in Vegas with you, I did like four different things at StarCast. I'm cool to do whatever, whatever, and I'm happy to do it. But I was like, on this one, especially since I find out two weeks before it's going to happen, that it's going to be live on pay-per-view, not even on Fight.TV, but like real live pay-per-view, where like my parents can order it if they if they decided to. They didn't, spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> but the fact that anybody could order it and watch it, I was like, all right, I know not to drop the ball on this one. Do not come in underprepared. Do not come in overtired. Like that night, the night before I went to bed at like eight o'clock at night, just so I like woke up fresh and I wasn't like, oh, I wait up, stay up to four o'clock in the morning. Like, like I'm in college trying to cram for a test, uh, you know, and it, it, I thought it went well. I, I was I, I purposely turned off my phone an hour before I went on stage and then I didn't turn it on again till like five hours later because I always assume the worst. Right. Uh, and I'm never happy with anything I do, not my writing, not anything. I always look back and go, ah, this could have been better. And I was really genuinely pleased and a huge exhale when I came off stage and everyone seemed to be happy with it. And then when I finally had the gumption to turn my phone back on, it was like Twitter was happy and everybody in my email was happy. And I was like, all right, I guess it didn't suck. So I I was really, you know, really, really, it'll always be in like one of my top 10 moments of like things that I had the blessing to do because of pro wrestling. Uh, It was, it was a cool deal. And, uh, you know, I had one person tell me they felt like, I was a psychiatrist and I had CM Punk on the couch, which I thought was kind of <laughs> cool. Like I had this vision of like Bob Newhart, you know, yeah, and, that's um, funny. you know, and I, I think we got to show the world that CM Punk's not a bitter person and he's not angry at the world and he's not, you know, he's not hateful towards pro wrestling. He just went through whatever he had to go through and you could feel however you want about it. And he came out the other end and he's content in life. And whether that means he's going to do movies or he's going to try and fight again, or even if he ends up back in pro wrestling one day, because let's face it, all rivers do flow to WWE once you've been in that company. It just, at some point, you end up back there at some point doing something. And whether he goes back or not, or he's going to be like you, where for the most part, you know, you're, you're off doing your own thing. It's good to see that he's content and happy with life. And I think based on some of the podcasts that he's done, people assumed he's just like, I hate everything. And, and that's right, now how right. he came across on stage. He was happy. That, that- that see, dude, and I, now truth be told, I did not get a chance to watch it yet, so I apologize to you and to Punk. But but anyway, but the things I heard nothing but rave reviews about it. But the thing is this though, I'm so glad you brought that up that that he um that he's not miserable and angry and all this other shit because the deal is like I I live in that world too. I know that I have so many people still have that perception of me unless it's folks that download my show, listen to my show because they know I, I'm not like that. I'm I'm. I'm super happy. I've been very pissed. Once I left TNA years ago, I'm I'm ultra happy. And that, that's the thing. You, Punk also, he has that in a different realm, but he has that rep that's similar to mine and a few other guys that you're angry or whatever it is. And it's not bitterness. It's not even that you're angry. It's just a, it's sometimes just a rep you have. And, you know, a lot of times fans just get that perception of you. Either they read it somewhere 
watch some stupid fucking shoot interview and they believe some guy that's getting thrown 1500 bucks to be controversial and just say shit that's bullshit yeah you know i mean so and people believe it and it's just sad and and um but you know what it's it's cool to hear that he's at whole with himself and he's happy um uh, i've heard that too from people who know him well um you know and it, it, it because when you have that rep sometimes it stays with you forever um i i like i said i know i still have it and and you know what i don't, I don't fight it anymore I'm like fuck it if people want to think that about me they don't really know me um you know but it's like it's just a, it's like i don't know if it's not a first impressions thing or just an impression thing on someone just a label you get and that's it oh that guy's miserable he's angry he's fucking mad and you know and i think a lot of people until they heard you just say that they would think the same thing about Punk, that he's angry, and that's nice to hear he's not. Yeah, and, and I mean, the, the same thing was said about Sasha Banks in the last six months. What, what I think, I kind of have a little bit, I you know, I get to kind of exist in the wrestler world as well mm. as in the, the civilian world, because I know what it's like to be, all right, I have to get on a plane, I have to go here, I have to go here, I have to go here, I have to go home, I got to go do this, 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 and this, and I've got to work 12-hour days to do what I need to do for the site, and sometimes just being on that treadmill of I've got a hundred things I have to take care of. You lose sight of everything else until you take a break and you go, geez, I don't want to get back on that treadmill again. And I think for wrestlers, it's 25,000 times worse than anything that I just described because I'm not, I'm never going to take a bump and performers are always going to have to take bumps. And no matter how bad their day is going, they are also going to be noticed by everybody in public who's even somewhat familiar with pro wrestling. And they're also worried about the politics of backstage and how are they being presented? What does this do for me? Am I going to, right. And that, I'm just interrupting like that, that right there. Cause I'll forget to say it. See what you just said right there. That's what I was going to say when you were done, what you just said right there. I'm telling you from experience from years of doing this, right. As a wrestler, that's the number one thing. (laughs) <laughs> and close number two, maybe you can flip flop them as being away from your family, and 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 that creates stress some stress some sometimes at home, you know, because you're gone a lot. But the thing, as far as the professional end of it, the politics of backstage, when you get to TV, it wasn't just me. So many guys, I re- you know, with the stress level leaving the hotel, you know, at like twelve thirty to make a one p.m. call time. And then everybody goes to catering, you put your bag down in the locker room, then you go into catering, you grab some lunch, everybody puts a happy face on, and now you know everyone's in the fucking production meeting or the agent meeting. And okay, you're waiting for them to come out, and then an agent will find you, whatever one that is, that has your match, and you're hoping either, not that you're not just doing the job, that you're just getting pushed right, or for some guys or girls, they're hoping they're even on the card, on the show. So that's that right there, that stress actually builds up throughout the week once you're done with tv that's the truth it's it's that's why a lot of wrestlers get kind of a little angry you know i'm just and, so you and, nailed and, it. and then and then to build upon what you say what i think most people don't understand is they they're like oh you get to be a wrestler you go to all these different places you get to go travel the world but <laughs> with the second you do that the second you pick up your bag you're leaving your wife, you're leaving your family, you're leaving any problems you have at home, any issues at your house, any things, any issues with your car, all the things that 
uh, as a civilian, as I say, you know, like pro wrestling and civilian. If there's a problem, oh I God. can pause Stop. things. I can't. I can't let you keep. I've been fucking saying civilian forever. This is even for, even before, you're hacking me left and right. This is why I need to. I have to not listen to your show anymore. Up, just, I just can't do it anymore. You're obsessed with my content. I, you're showing your hand, sir. You listen to every episode. You are taking all of my fucking verbiage. Well, you know what they say. Damn it. You know what they say. If you steal from one person, it's theft. If you steal from two, it's research. Well, there you go. Thank you. Okay, continue with your diet. Good moment. Yeah, you so <laughs> so all, all, all the mundane things that I deal with in my life, with family and house problems and everything else, I can stop what I'm doing for the most part and go and deal with them and come back Dude, to work. Just say, hold on, let, let me but, interrupt you again. I, I'm sorry to be a dick, mm-hmm. but are you trying to, are you ribbing me? Are you really trying to rib me, bro? Seriously. Like, I know you're a long why? time. Because well, you said mundane. Okay, you remember mundane, Taz. Dude, what a rib. I'm ri- all, right, all right, I'm ribbing you now. <laughs> Stop ribbing me. I can't even pretend I'm not. <laughs> All right. So, but when you're on the road as a wrestler, if there's a problem with the car, or with your kids, or with your family, or with your mom, or your house, you're in Padoka <laughs> waiting to yeah, find yeah. out what you're doing. And you've got to deal with all this other stuff. Yeah. And you've got to. And you've got to plan your match and you're trusting your body with somebody else and someone else is trusting their body with you. And all you want to do is get the hell home because you've got to deal with everything at home, but you can't because you've got four more dates of bookings. So, I mean, that's a rough life to live. And even though the WWE schedule is not as crazy as it was in the manic 1980s, you hear about all those crazy schedule days, it's still rough. And even if, even if you're, you know, you're, 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 you're not going far from home geographically, mentally and emotionally, you're far away. And, and, and that's a lot of stress that people don't think about, you know, all, most fans go, all right, it's cool. Wrestling's here and wrestling's going to be my escape for a couple of hours while I enjoy myself. Right. right? right yep. But for those who are working in the business, that escape is really just a countdown until they can get home and deal with their personal stuff on top of all their professional stuff. Most people, if they have a nine to five job, when they clock out at the end of the day, hopefully they get to leave all that stress behind wrestlers and people in the wrestling industry. They deal with that 24 seven. It never ends. It's a hard balance. Well, that's the thing. And, and, you're exactly right, and and that's why I've always said for the longest time. I mean, for years, like, you know, uh, I don't remember who interviewed me many years ago, and uh, while it was probably in WWE wrestling, not announcing yet, and I'd mentioned that to to the point you just made, Mike. Um, wrestling's not a job; it's not even a career; it, it's a fucking lifestyle. I mean, it's it literally when you get at that highest level. You know, and you're working full time. I don't care. I mean, like, it's a little different with Japan. Like, if you're working full time, you're working for New Japan and you're making a lot of money and you have a regular, like, steady contract. Like, Mike, give me one of the bigger American talents that's like the Kenny Omega of right now. Like, the guy who's in Japan all the time. Well, he's not, he's not American, but Jay White, who's Jay from White. New Zealand. I know, I know who he is. He's great. Yeah. Okay. You yeah. got it. So, non Japanese. Okay. So, Jay White. So, Jay White, as much and, and, uh, as much as he's working all the time for New Japan, he's probably making really good money, and he's a hell of a hand. He's a hell of a talent, for sure. The thing is, though, it is a lifestyle for him because he, when he's home, he's got to make sure he's eating right and training right. But there's less stresses with that because it's the, the TVs are different. The politics are different, too. You're a little bit more removed from it. It's a little bit less stressful 
to be honest. I mean, the work rate, you got to bring the fucking wood every night you work for New Japan for sure. Not that you can be lazy anywhere else, but I'm just saying they, they go hard at the Japanese strong style and all that shit. But it's a little, little less stressful. WWE talents, and I, I'm assuming AEW will be similar. There's a natural stress there, stress big time, and it's it's a lifestyle. You live the business, and if you don't, now I, I don't want to stereotype everyone. I can't say that there aren't some guys and girls that are working full time right now in the business, like for WWE, that maybe they they uh, that maybe they were able to segment out their life better to have more the right family life and and not have it such of a lifestyle. It's hard. I mean, there might be a handful of people that have figured it out, so it's unfair to stereotype. You know what I mean, Mike? But. I do think for the most, look, you talk to a lot of wrestlers all the time for years, and off the record, mm-hmm. you talk to them. Most of them, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but most of them are probably, you know, they're a little ticked a lot of times, a little pissed, right? Oh my god! Oh, I think, I think the current generation of guys, it's a different lifestyle and it's a different world because they come up through the WWE system and they they kind of feel like they're more of like a team than they're fighting right. the world and trying to draw money for themselves. There's a different mindset now. That's good, but, but that's you good know, to hear. That's, every, good, that's good to hear. I like yeah, that. I like that. For the most part, it's uh, this match. I, I this match sucked, or this person pissed me off backstage, or this guy blew past me and I didn't get to do my spot, or uh, I'm not on TV. I'm working main event. You know, it's like guys who everybody wants to be the top performer, and if you don't want to be, you shouldn't be in pro wrestling because you should be driven to make the most money that you can and to be the best performer that you can. Right. You don't want to be complacent, but at the same time. Well, there's a reason why that mindset can burn you out so quickly. And, you know, I, I've talked about it for years, and I don't know that it'll ever actually happen. I would love to see, especially when you've got so many people on the roster now between the Performance Center, NXT, SmackDown, and Raw, there's no reason why, all right, come April 1st, John Cena, you're going to be off three months. Mm. We're going to cycle you out. And then some big show, we're going to cycle you in. And I know there's a disparity in terms of how people will perceive that in terms of star power and whatnot, but not everybody needs to be on the road every weekend. I really do believe that. Well, there's a part, and I don't well, think you, that- you're right. You're right. Okay. From, from a, a quality of life, quality of life perspective for the talent. You're right. Here's why that won't happen. And it might happen, but it, you know, it, it's, it actually plays into something that you and CM Punk, I believe talked about and jokingly, because I was shocked when I heard this and uh, I heard it before, this is probably about a week or so. I might have talked about it here. Uh, and then when you had Punk on, he you mentioned or he mentioned about the word vacation. I'm like, vacation? What the fuck is vacation? I, I never heard. You working <laughs> more of my years in WWE, almost 10 years. There was no vacation. No vacation. <laughs> no, and he was, he, was, he was flabbergasted, and he just, like, looked at me, like, shocked. Yep. And I kept waiting for him to say something, and I was like, I think I dropped the pipe bomb on CM Punk. <laughs> like, <laughs> nice. You know, because Becky Lynch and Seth Rollins had taken two weeks off. Yeah, I see going off and engaged in media. I mean, and that's great. And, that's great for them. But oh, it's awesome. And and certainly if you're if you're if you're able to pull that off, you should be you should try to pull it off. Mm. And Finn Balor just took time off and, and you know he went and got married and just like they got engaged and it's like awesome, but he was a guy and he told us, you know, he told the story before. He's like, I went to surgery to have my knee fixed. They're wheeling me out to leave the hospital. It's not even two hours later, and Vince is like, You're in a match, you're in a TLC match, we'll ride back in three weeks. And he's yeah, like, I mean, that's how, how do we yeah, know we're going to be ready? And Vince is like, ah, the guys have been back after two weeks. You know, right. and it, there's that pressure. Gold. Right. There's that pressure from the company. But I think even more, more important to point out 
And you're someone who you went to WWE and you, you know, you were there and you got hurt and the mentality was immediately, how quick can I get back? I don't want to lose my spot. Right. I don't want to lose my money. I'm under a contract. Right. I have to be a value to this company. And there's a right. lot of pressure from performers and it was the pressure you put on yourself probably more than the company ever put on you. Right. And every wrestler is – even today, every wrestler is the same way because this is my dream. This is what I want to do and, you know. There was a there was a night where you got hurt at the ECW arena. You did a move off the apron and you put somebody through a table and you ended up slicing up your leg. Remember I, that? I still have a scar. And- I got the, the scar on my shin and I have numbness in my shin. I never got the feeling back in my shin. I, I it was like a shock bite. It was a hole in my fucking leg. I don't remember. It was it was close to eighty stitches inside and out. It was horrendous. And you were getting interviewed for Beyond the Mat afterwards after you came back from the hospital. And I remember you doing the interview and talking about, you know what? All these guys are my friends and I get along with everybody. But the reality is I'm in a top spot and everybody else wants my spot. And I have to come back or else I'm going to lose that spot. I and forgot, that was you. I forgot I, yeah. I said that. Yeah, you're right. Was, yeah. And I, I remember you saying it that night. And I was like, man, I was like, I respect what he's saying. But you're hurt. Go home and heal. Like, yeah. that's like, you know, that's the way I look at it. But, you know, and I think any person who's a, a driven athlete looks at things the way that you do, you did yep. and others do. Yep. And that's something that's self-created because this is all you ever wanted to do. This is what how you feed your family. Right. And no one else can do what you do. But they'll find someone else to do what you can do if you're, right. you can't be on the board. Well, the, the the best way to lose any kind of spot you may have is by not being there. So that so you know, and and I appreciate you bringing that up. What happened on that Beyond the Mac gimmick? I forgot actually forgot about that. But that's exactly what I said, and that's what I would say. Um, you know, I I know the deal, man. I understand how. Um, Competitive things, Mike. You have your speaker on. Can you mute something there? Because I can hear myself, and it might sound bad when people hear this. Just so you know, just give you a heads up. I don't know what's going on there, um, but anyway, um, you know, to me, it's a big deal where uh, it's about being competitive, and I think that most guys and girls that are successful in the business are like that. It's definitely you're right. It's an ath- athlete's mindset. Because the best way to, to lose whatever you have, like I said, is not to be there, either via injury or not. And the key words is passive aggressive, because that's what it is. The company, I've never had anybody in the company tell me you got to get back. And I wasn't a top guy like CM Punk there, but we're not talking about the ECW thing right now. We're going WWE. Like I remember when I got hurt in WWE, I tore my bicep. And I remember sitting in, uh, it was after the show. Okay, now I was nervous. I was because I was newer there still, and I thought I was going to get a big push. It looked like they were going to push me huge. Everybody knows the story with, with Master Square Garden, Kurt Angle, and then they started to like repackage me, de-push me, and all this bullshit. Right? I think it would have been done a lot different today, but it was a long, it was a long time ago. It was a different time in WWE, and I got hurt. I tore my bicep. Um, I think it was in a match against Perry Saturn on Raw, and um, I remember sitting in, in Baltimore. I uh, think it was in Baltimore, and sitting in the locker room at towards the end of the show. It was actually the end of the show, and they would the room I was in. They were doing pre-tapes, like doing interviews. Uh, well, it was well, it was after-show tapes. I shouldn't say pre-tapes. Something for, they were doing something with it. And Vince McMahon walked in, and he was going to produce this piece. And I was out of the way. It was a big room, and I had ice on my bicep. And he came right over to me. He came. He didn't know I was in there. He came right over to me, and he asked me how I was doing. And I said, ah, "It hurts. It's just I feel like my." fucking bicep is up in my shoulder and next to my jawline 
And uh, he goes, no, I know. He was super compassionate. And he talked to me. He sat down next to me. He said, listen, you know, we believe in you, okay? Uh, I believe in you. You wouldn't be here with the deal you have and how hard you work to get here. Heal up. Don't worry. Get better. We're going to send you the best doctors. We're going to take... Mike, he made me feel like gold. I have to tell you the truth. I mean, he, you know, he treated me like gold verbally there. And and sure enough, you know, uh, I think the next day we did another angle just to get me out. Like, I think it was a thing where Chris Benoit slammed a door on my arm or some shit like that. And that was explained how I was gone or some shit. Anyway, and then they were going to send me to Andrews down in uh, Alabama. But I wanted to go somewhere up in New York. So then they sent me to the New York Yankees guy the orthopedic surgeon, and all this kind of shit. My point is they took care of me in every facet you could imagine. Like, they they treated me like gold. But yet, while I was out, I was panicking, man. I was so fucking nervous because I was trying to get a good spot, you know? So I was terrified. And they never put that on me, but that passive aggressiveness is there. Because I don't know, like, maybe you said it right there. Maybe it's within, but... You feel it, you know what I mean? You feel, again, just to reiterate, I was not the name that CM Punk was at WWE, so he might have felt a lot more than me, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I I think if you're passionate about doing something, the second it's potentially taken away from you, there's going to be a fear. Like, you know, I've we've told the story before. I was in a bad car wreck in 2001. I crushed my hand. Like, it was um, it was mulched. And I woke up after it was the only time I was ever knocked out in my life. I woke up and somebody said, you got to get out of the car. Car could explode. And I said, can you get the seatbelt off me? I can't do it. And I couldn't figure out why I couldn't do it. And then I looked at my hand and all my fingers were in a different direction. And I was like, oh, that ain't good. And I'm a writer. You know, all I ever wanted to do my entire life was write. Like, I didn't care what it was going to be. But I knew in fourth grade I was going to write for a living like that that young. I knew. That's and cool. I was like, oh, my God, uh, how am I ever going to hold a hand? And I'm left handed. I'm like, how am I ever going to hold a pen again? How am I? Ever- and to this day, it hurts to hold a pen. I can't I like even signing a check like it drives me nuts. My hand will kill me for an hour. So it's like, you know, it's a scary thing. And, and it was months before I could even type again. You know, and for me, that yeah. was my outlet. I was freaking yeah. out. And that's nowhere near as important. You know, I could find another job or I could do something else. Technically, that's nowhere near as frightful as it would be for a pro wrestler who's injured, knowing that, hey, I have to be back at a certain point or I might miss the Royal Rumble. And if I miss the Royal Rumble, I might miss my window into WrestleMania. And if I miss my window into WrestleMania, there goes my biggest paycheck of the year. And yeah. I've got to wait a whole nother year to try and make that type of coin. Like it, it that's, it, I understand the, the internal pressure that guys and girls put on themselves. I do, but I also worry for them because there is a point where you're going to burn out and want to just shut down. And that's probably what happened with Sasha Banks and certainly what happened with CM Punk. And there were other issues with him and his health at the time. And, you know, it probably happens to a lot of guys and girls who still stay on the road. And just you have to do the next thing. There's no one else that can do it. And that's a rough that's a rough way to live. And I have a lot of respect for the people that persevere that way. Uh Oh, Uh -oh. this means means? don't say that fucking guy's (laughs) name on my podcast. Another guy getting fucking a thousand dollars to fucking uh, is this guy a good guy or a dick? And he put me in the dick column. Oh, oh no! And meanwhile, okay, when I was on SmackDown and WWE with him, I treated him like gold. He treated me like gold. I got along great with the guy. Then I see him at Starcast in Vegas, and I confront him. I go, "Yo, what's the deal?" He came in the room like, "Hey, Taz, how are you?" And next thing I'm like, "I'm fucking all over. I'm like a fucking caged animal, right?" And I, he's like one of the only rare guys I'm taller than, so I'm all over him. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, 
So, so he's like, no. He's like, bro, chill. Wait a minute. Let me explain. And you know, and everything's fine. But yeah. So don't say his name. Anyway, it's time for a water break, Mike. All right. This is what's happening now? So grab your water. Got it. Oh, wait, hold on. Let someone let's let's start over because you fucked the whole thing up. We're not going to start over. We are going to do the water break from a smooth transition in a three, two, one, two, three, two, three, one, three, go. Hey. Now what happens is I will stop pouring my water. Mikey Johnson, he's doing it, and now we drink the water. Let's go to water break. People love this shit, I'm telling you. Oh, Smizu Jones. Oh, I always say that when I drink water. You know what that means, Mike? No, I'm afraid to ask. <laughs> Mizu is water in Japanese. M-I-Z-U. Mizu Jones. Yeah, so that's it. All right, Tasha, we'll be right back. Mike Johnson, we got to go over everything. We got to talk about what's going on with Impact Wrestling, a new TV contract, AEW stuff, WWE TV ratings. What the fuck? Michael Cole's leaving Raw? What's going on? Tasha, uh, be right back. Jobbers. Uh-huh. Mike Johnson, quiz time. Mike, you there? Yes, sir. I am here. I'm waiting. Mike, don't get hot. I'm not. What is this music? I think it's from WCW. You're close. Am I? NWA Jones. Oh, NWA. NWA. Ah. Old school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Superstation City. Yeah. Perfect segue. I knew it was something to do with Turner. Yeah, that's it. So uh, I guess that's a perfect segue. Talk anything we got on AEW that you want to share with the audience, we can get into that. Um, they're close here. Just getting ready to watch DC's their first uh, first TV live TV, right? Yeah, DC DC at the Capital One Center, uh, October second, eight PM on TNT. Yeah, Cody versus Sammy Guevara, and uh, that's the it's the first match on the show, and. Uh, yeah, so t- it's going to be interesting. I like that kid, Sammy Gravana. I like him, man. Uh, he's he's got that factor called it. There's something about him, man. He's he's there. I like him a lot. Um, yeah. So uh, it, it should be it should be good to see. It's gonna be fun to see. I mean, I I I, I think they're gonna do well. I, I've been thinking more and more about it, and I do think I do think they're gonna do well. They realize that they got to be their own deal, right? They got to they are living in their own enter their own world here. Uh, so that that's that's the right way to be. Don't think about compete with no one. Even though you are, you're not. Just do your thing, man. And I think they're gonna get they're gonna get that right. Yeah, and I I think it's pretty obvious that the Turner the Turner's behind them. Like I went to I went to see it last weekend, it part two, and there was an AEW commercial before the trailers, and I was like, oh wow, that's pretty impressive. No one's I haven't I can't I don't think WWE's ever done that, you know. And uh, you know, there if you watch TNT, there's like commercial for AEW, like at least once or twice an hour they're pushing it hard and they're invested and that that's they need a they need a broadcast partner in order for it to work and they've got a lot of talent hopefully as long as they don't lose any more belts they'll be okay um but i mean (laughs) they've built they've you know for this thing to work long term it's got to build a culture and what i mean by a culture is they have to find brand new fans who fall in love with the young bucks and kenny omega and awesome kong and everybody else they have in the company to enhance all the diehard fans that are already involved. They need to find the people who either 
don't care about WWE or never cared about WWE to fall in love with all elite wrestling and create a new breed of fans. The way that when nitro took off, there were fans who weren't WWF fans who embraced nitro uh, and, and, and fell in love with nitro and kind of grew the entire wrestling bubble. Uh, and to me, that's what they need to do. They need to like kind of find their own way and create their own culture. And it's not something that can happen in six weeks. It's going to, it's going to take a long time to make it work. Yeah, no, and and you got WWE's attention, so and 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 you know Triple H and stuff with the whole NXT, and you know they're gonna WWE could act and say whatever they want, like they're not compete with no one, and and they're, on. they're going, they're 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 loading, they're loaded up, they're going for the juggler, they're going. I'm telling you, they're going, they're going to stomp mode right here. That, so, that t- so NXT didn't magically pop up on live TV on the USA Network just because right. it was the right exactly. time. It might have been the right time at some point. But that time period was accelerated because all elite right. wrestling decided to exist, just like NXT UK's existence was accelerated big time because ITV in England was looking at doing world of wrestling, world of sport wrestling. Right. And I mean, exactly. it's WWE's job. Listen, it's their genre. And it's, yep. it, it, honestly, it's their job to defend their piece of the pie. And I know some people get mad and I'm like, it's, it's just life. There's a reason why T-Mobile and AT&T are going to fight it out and try and give you the best phone coverage and best phone deal you can get as a customer. That's business. That's how this is supposed to work. I'm so happy there's an AEW because it forces everybody else to be on their game. And you and I both know there's a lot of times where WWE, they're just like, eh, we got a TV show this week. Let's get through it. I think those days are over, you know? Well, the, well, yes, and the, the thing is complacency. The complacency is going to end rapido uh, for WWE, and they have gotten complacent a lot, and I've said that about them, and maybe that pisses them off, and maybe that's why, um, you know, I don't get invited to some of the cool stuff with the cool kids in WWE, and and because I'm going to tell people the fucking truth. I've been doing that for every episode here. I, I put them over a lot, but I buried them a lot, and I don't mean to bury them. I critique them. Bury is the wrong word. But back to AEW. The AEW deal is... Listen, you, you're right. We're saying as far as what, what you know, they're going to have that hardcore fan, meaning that 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 loving AEW all elite wrestling fan that no matter what AEW does, they're going to love them. They should have that. That's called loyalty from fans, and that's awesome. And fans have to pick and choose what they like, and I think that's great. Now, what I said recently, Mike, right here uh, on the Taz show, is I said one of the big ambitious tasks. Okay, and I'm sure you'll hack me and steal this in a couple I'm, weeks and I'm, do it in your I'm, audio I'm taking like notes you, right yeah. now. Go. Well, I, I know you. I, I know you are. And um, basically, no, all kidding aside, they got to recondition the the people that watch Turner TV, that watch Turner TNT or TBS. They got to recondition them that wrestling's back on that network because the USA Network. It's 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 just preconditioned. It's just there. People know that you know wrestling's on USA. You know the casual fan that's not listening to a wrestling podcast or reading PW Insider. The casual wrestling fan, you know, has to learn that oh, I could watch wrestling on USA anytime I want. It's always on there. Oh wait a minute. Oh, it's on it's on TNT. It's it's on Turn. Oh wow. See, years ago. People knew that. The casual fan knew that, right or wrong. You know, with WCW, oh, right? So you got to recondition those folks. And I think that's, that's, that's good to hear. The commercial was airing. You said they got to spend money, which Tony Khan will do. And, and they got to spend it right. They got a brand. They got a market. I also think it's very important to get over and build and build 
those characters that they have within the organization that's on their roster. You know, and, and you know, yeah, sure, we've seen the Kenny Omegas, we've seen the Young Bucks, the Cody's, we've seen them get pushed, and and, and those guys are stars and they're great, and and they should keep getting pushed. Chris Jericho's the champion. That makes sense. I like that Jericho's the champ. You know, the first champ ever of AEW. Chris brings a lot of credibility. I think that's very important. You know, and I think more packaging on those guys I just named, like the Bucks, like Brandy, like Cody, all of them. I think that's great. But even more than that, let me see some video packaging on Adam Page. Let me see some some uh, video packaging on um, on on Jack Evans or Mox. We haven't even talked about John Moxley. This guy is you know hot off WWE TV. He should be. Push down people's throat too Jungle Boy, all these people Listen, Luchasaurus, I love this cat This guy, this guy is is, is gonna have a massive If he doesn't already, have a massive cold following Video packaging does wonders Get it out there, buy some spots I'm sure they'll do this on, on USA Give me an MJF spot so I can see MJF Put over Orange Cassidy You know what I'm saying, Sammy Gravana all, all these, they have so much good talent You gotta get the casual fan To know who these men and women are yeah, and it's going to be an interesting so, social experiment. That's, that's important. And, and, you know, it's going to be an interesting social experiment because for 18 mm-hmm. years, the average wrestling consumer and the average person has only really thought of WWE. Uh, you know, Impact was around, but it wasn't on the same platform. It didn't have the same following. And now we're going to try, and when I say we, I mean AEW, they're going to try and direct the light away from WWE and sort of, you know, mirror it towards themselves. And it's going to be interesting because, you know, everyone talks about the lapsed fan, the fan that disappeared. The, the fa- if the fan was 20 years old when WCW went away, they're 38 now. They're in a different time in their life. They're in a different place. So the question will be, will they want to come back and watch wrestling again? And will they bring their family with them? I don't know the answer to that. No one does. It's going to be interesting to follow, but I think a big part of the fight is going to be right. for a lot of years. For you know, if someone was born the year Nitro and ECW went away, they're eighteen now. Right. Their entire life for nearly twenty years, Alpha and Omega of pro wrestling was WWE. Just like no one says, I'm going to go watch MMA. Mm. I, I'm going to watch UFC. WWE has had the ability to brand and market themselves for eighteen years without any real threat to them or anyone shoving them against the wall or anyone trying to take the, the thunder from them. So can AEW right. do it? And can it even be done after 18 years? I don't right. know. It's fast. I'm fascinated by all of it. Um, you know, I want, I just want wrestling to be healthy. I love wrestling. It's been, it's been my friend since I was, when I first discovered it, when I saw Roddy Piper and Mr. T arguing on Saturday night's main event. And I love pro wrestling. Mm. I love all forms of it. I love all of it. I'm going to go to the Lucha Libre show this weekend in the garden. I can't wait. And I just want to see it be healthy. But can they can they get a big piece of the pie from WWE for themselves? And can they get people who aren't trying to sample the WWE pie to spend money on the AEW pie? I don't know the answers right. because one of the problems Impact had is Impact had an audience. But they couldn't get that audience to come to the shows. They couldn't get that audience to order the yeah, pay-per-views. Yeah. So can AEW Right, and I'll be honest with you, and a lot of that, and I was there for a lot of that in, a, in, in, in uh, TNA, and I was in a lot of those meetings in Orlando and stuff and in Nashville, and I was there a lot, and a lot of that was we had this great roster of all these unbelievable athletes on the X Division, and we've had the the AJ Styles and and the beer monies, you know, uh, 
and the Samoa Joes, and we, we, I just had so much. I'm leaving out a whole bunch. So much top level talent. Every match, Mike, was just great to call as a commentator. It was just awesome stuff. And what we were lacking was brand awareness. And we would tell Dixie, and I know I would tell her all the time in, in meetings. I would tell her privately, you know, I, I, you know, we gotta we gotta get a budget to to buy some some market specific spots off of WWE TV. We gotta get some brand awareness and get the casual wrestling fan that's watching WWE to know we exist, to know where we are, you know, and know we have the greatest roster going right now. Because at the time, I really thought the WWE roster wasn't as good as the TNA roster back then. I mean, I mean that. I mean, I, that, you know, so when I left WWE, I was so excited because I knew these guys, a lot of these wrestlers that I hadn't met yet and worked against were in TNA, and these fucking dudes were unbelievable, and I was fired up to get to call their matches. You know what I mean? So um, anyway, I do think that I, I do know that during that time in TNA, that 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 was the big problem was there was a lack of brand awareness. Bro, when I went, Mike, when I left WWE, I had a, I had a non-compete, so I was out, whatever, 60 days. And then I went to TNA, and I remember being in Orlando uh, for that pay-per-view, whatever one I debuted, I can't remember the name of it, when Sting was wrestling Samoa Joe and I came out. Um, I remember being in an airport, and one of the guys, a fan, not a wrestling fan, was a guy, a TSA guy, recognized me. And said, oh, man, what's up? What's going on? And he asked me to sign, a, a sign his hat and all this shit. I'm like, yeah, what's going on? What's going on? And then he uh, he basically said, so what have you been up to? Like, you know, what, what's going on? And uh, I said, no, I'm, I, I usually I would kayfabe, but I, I was trying to get the word out. I said, oh, I'm, I'm debuting tonight for, for TNA Wrestling. He was TNA, what? T, TNA, I go, yeah, TNA, TNA. He, he had no idea what it was. Like, no idea. And that and and that was Orlando. That was a guy in the Orlando airport yeah. where they were taping all their TV for years and years. And this dude fucking lived in Orlando because he was a TSA security guy in Orlando. <laughs> so, uh. and I remember you know talking to, you know, uh, I don't want to name names, but uh, you know enough people do podcasts where they drop names of people when it's something. But it was Vince. It was Vince McMahon, wasn't it? No, somebody in TNA <laughs> locker room said to me, a guy was very tall. Now next to me, there's a lot of guys. This guy's really tall, and he was a big star. And uh, and and he was happy to see me. I was happy to see him. And uh, and you know, it's it's he had said to me something funny that's like. You're, he goes, it's like you're underground when you're here, bro. I told him the story. I said, that was a little fucking weird. I, this, this guy at security didn't know, and he left. He goes, yeah, that's what happens. He goes, this is this is witness protection. And I fucking cracked up laughing. He goes, no, bro, you, we're in witness protection. You know, and, and, and I'm like, and it made sense. You know, he's being sarcastic and joking, but no one knew we were there because there was no brand awareness. Now, I don't think I don't think AEW is going to have that problem. I don't. I really think there's some brand. No, they've already done more to make, to make people aware of them. Correct. Correct. And Impact ever did. I mean, they just announced, uh, Warner Media just announced they're bringing like five or six talents to the New York Comic Con in a couple of weeks. And they're going to have a panel where, you know, there'll be a thousand people in the room and they'll talk about AEW and they'll do Q&As and stuff. So, like, they're... Trying- well, hold on, well, who's doing this? I didn't, I didn't hear, but tell me about this. Who's doing this? AEW, Warner Media, you know, to turn... Oh, well, Turner, yeah, 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 Turner, yeah, Turner's your name. Yeah. Yeah, they're bringing, they're bringing like five or six talents to uh, the New York Comic Con to do like a panel to talk about the show a couple of days after the show debuts. What is that? So, I mean... 
Friday, October 4th, maybe? Oh, yeah. Right. Let's see what happens with that. Right. Um, interesting. Okay. interesting. Well, you never know. <laughs> yeah. I know some people in New York. All right, so that's interesting. And now let's talk Joey about... Numbers? <laughs> Joey Numbers, yeah, he's around. Uh, <laughs> so Impact, right? So Anthem, the whole gimmick, Access TV. Uh, what's the deal? Give us what you know, Mike. What's the breakdown? I believe you just had uh, Ed Known Home Jones on your... on your. Um... Yeah, well, yeah, he, yeah, he gave me a quote. We, we reached out to him. Basically... The company that owns Impact, Anthem Media, they bought controlling interest in Access TV. So the same channel that airs New Japan and WOW and has all those music concerts and things like that and MMA programming, Anthem is now in control of it. And Anthem will be uh, running that network going forward. Impact will debut there in October once they finish their commitments to the Pursuit Channel, which was a garbage outlet for Impact. So if nothing else, it's good for Impact that they're off of that channel. Right. Um, and and this is a big this is a big victory for Impact because for many years from the moment they were let go by Spike TV after Dixie Carter basically blew up that deal she had turned down an offer that they had that they had given her to keep Impact another five years they were going to give her less money and she said no we want this much and they said well the story as it's been explained to me is they said well we'll give you to the end of the week. She called them on Monday and they said, nope, that offer expired at the end of the last week. Oh. And that was the end of yeah. – that's what I was told. That that was the end of Impact on Spike. And then, you know, they bounced from place to place to place. You were there for the Destination America stuff in the beginning. Yeah. And that didn't work out too well. And then, But they've been bouncing to different places, lesser, less of an audience every time they land somewhere else. This at least puts them somewhere where they're on concrete ground. It's their forever home. They're not going to leave. Very similar to Ring of Honor now. Sinclair owns Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor is on the Sinclair Broadcast Group affiliates. Anthem owns Access. Impact is on Access TV. They're never going to get canceled. Right. So they're on there forever. There are a lot of people who worry about the future of New Japan, especially since on the majority of the future of New Japan on Access TV. On Access. Right. Because the majority of the people that put that show together were in Access's Denver office and. As you all, as everybody knows, when there is a corporate merger, usually the people who are getting merged into the new company are the first ones out the door because there'll be redundancies. And the company that's taking over the 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 the, the former company, they're going to keep their people because they know them and they trust them and they right. know what their deal is. Yeah. And that that and that same thing happened when Disney bought 20th Century Fox. All these Fox people were out on their out on their rear end because Disney's going to trust their own people. You don't need right. twenty five PR people. Well, it, happens, it, happens, like no, we it happens in mainstream sports every every day. Yeah. I mean, you know, coaches come, a coach gets fired, new coach comes in, he brings in his own team, brings in his office coordinator, his defense coordinator, his running backs coach, and and those other guys kind of get weeded out. Um, yeah, and you're right, it's corporate mergers. It's never good for the right. one that's getting merged into. That's uh, for those right. folks. So, yeah. Right, so Viacom, Viacom, and CBS are, are about to merge, and pe- there are going to be some people who get lose their jobs out of that. It's just the way the world works now. Well, no, it happened. It happened with CBS Radio and uh, Entercom, who owns the company right. now. I work for, and you know, a lot of people either you know just left because they knew they were they knew how this works, or some people were released. Yeah, that 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 yeah, that definitely happened. It happens to every. It's happened. It happened for sure where, where I work. Um, you know, and it's a real thing. So for Impact, this is a big deal, right? Yeah. So where do you think the be doing their shows mostly now i think they're still going to tour it i don't think they're going to go back to it to universal um i think they're still going to tour it and do it in smaller buildings and they're going to they're going to try and make it as cheap as possible so that they can reap the most money out of it i don't think we're going to suddenly see them spending five million dollars a taping or anything like that 
Um, and then, you know, with New Japan, you know, their deal with Access is up in January. Anthem says that they that they still want to work with New Japan and that, you know, they buy New Japan content for the Fight Network in Canada, which they also air. But obviously some things are going to change because the people that were putting that show together are kaput. So there's right, going to be probably right. well, be a- well, I want to let's just say this, Mike. I, I got a feeling and I want to get your take. I got a feeling that it's like I don't think Impact is going to be able to do TV, do business with, with New Japan. I think New Japan is still sour on what happened uh, in the past before this new regime with Impact, and I don't see that happening. That any kind of business with New Japan will not. I don't think they'll ever do business with Impact. I just don't think it's going to happen. Uh, my gut feeling is maybe we'll see the show stay on Access. I don't think we'll see New Japan talents on Impact Wrestling. I I, I don't. Although I, I, I in recent that. months yeah. it feels like New Japan and ring of honor have kind of started to separate and go down different tracks down the, on the railroad so to speak i felt that way since april at the g1 supercar they kind of they haven't really intermingled all that much and new japan's run in new york uh in ring of honor buildings without ring of honor and, and other buildings without ring of without ring of honor so you kind of scratch your head and go all right that's interesting that's not a good sign um but right. I, I don't see okada and tanahashi and naito coming to impact wrestling anytime soon but again i didn't uh, i'd be shocked year, I, no i i i'd be shocked bro <laughs> be shocked. a year ago i didn't think i didn't think a- anthem was going to own access tv either so you know really all the old rules are off the board mm. but I, new japan is a very conservative company and they're they make every move to be deliberate and every move they do is usually a long play. I don't see them going, all right, we'll just send our guys there. I, I don't. Yeah, I really and don't. it's because of what I said, too, and happened in the past, too. I mean, it was, uh, you know, some of the talents. I, I'm trying to remember the guy's name from Japan. It was Okada. Okada. I, that's right. Okada. What the yeah. hell's wrong with me? And, and it, it, they dressed him up in a Kato yeah, mask. And that was like, whoa, bad. And, and uh, you know, everybody knew it was bad. And then New Japan not happy i know it for a fact trust me <laughs> so i don't see them uh ever letting go of that uh, even though it's different owners and stuff like that with anthem all that stuff i don't think it matters um well it, it's funny you mention that because um okada wrestled uh the g1 was in dallas and i went and covered the show right. they aired at live access tv and at the end of the special, they did like a press conference with Okada and somebody asked him, you know, was your performance tonight sort of a slap in the face of Impact Wrestling to show them what you could do? And right. the guy was kind of trying to dance around it without saying Impact. And Okada's like, what is he talking about? And then when somebody explained who it was, Okada was just like, Ugh, no comment. <laughs> like just didn't want to even address it. No comment. But the look on his face was just disgust. And I was yeah. like, ooh. Some people in Nashville are not going to like this, you know. Yeah, it is what yeah. it is. Yeah, man. It is, yeah. So, well, we'll see what happens. Hopefully, they can uh, get it rolling. You know, it's interesting because, like, you know what, um, like what MLW does, and 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 you know where it, it they don't really run house shows and Impact Wrestling. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think they run many house shows either, right? The only house shows they do are usually they're piggybacking off somebody, some independent companies shows like this weekend they have a couple of shows that are going to be on twitch and their streaming service and they're in conjunction with a group called world-class revolution in oklahoma so really Mm. they're using that that company's infrastructure that company's talent that company's buildings and the shows are branded for impact but they're not really out pouring on their own right so yeah see because that costs a lot of money and that's where i find it so crazy in a sad way because you know years ago I know when I was there, um, there were house shows happening, 
uh, for a good amount. And, and that was a fear that it would eventually it would become just a TV company where it was just TV tapings and just shoot four weeks of TV and air it. Now that's so popular now. It happens so much in not just Impact and MLW. It's like, you know, it happens a lot. Um, and, it, it, you know, People are like, oh, who gives a shit? I don't, I don't go to house shows. I don't care. Well, who gives a shit are the, the wrestlers? Okay, so that's how the wrestlers make a lot of money. You know, like that's how you can make good money, really good money, is you're working full time. Where you and you get better. Young wrestlers get better by wrestling more. You know, so see, like NXT, and I know you know this, Mike. I'm just saying for people that don't get it. You know, they're running all these live events, which is called a house show for those that don't know, and they run them all over throughout Florida, and 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 that is to get their younger talent better and to get them more money to keep them working more and you know so if you want to call nxt which is going to change now once they're on usa on live tv and all shit but if you want to look at them as the feeder or whatever or the triple a team whatever you want to call it um you know they're, they're running house shows while these other companies that are on fucking tv aren't you know what i mean so now AEW is not going to run house shows right away right i think it's going to take some time right they they have not announced any house shows yet thus far they're just doing the tv every wednesday and obviously the pay-per-view specials yeah, they will. They will. I don't think. I don't think AEW. I would assume probably one year. I would strongly think it would take at least a year to get your sea legs onto you to build a real TV audience to see what kind of rating you're getting, see who's really getting over with the people, see who's not, and now you can invest in. You know, I, I, Mike. You know, it costs money. I worked a ton of house shows my whole career everywhere, and it costs money to do that three, four, five times a week with the trucks, with the ring crew, with, with the production people, with everything. Because not even though it's not TV, you're bringing a crew in to yep. set the show up and the fucking rent of the building guys the rent of the building no matter where you are you know you're paying rent to a building and that's what wwe does that's what nxt does you know a lot of people that don't know that's how it works i know you know mike i'm just saying i want people to understand you know yeah and especially in the case of wwe their house shows look like you know like a, like a tv taping now they've got a titan right. on and, and a full Crazy. lighting rig and all that other stuff it's not just like the old days where spotlight on the ring all right send out wrestler number one to go wrestle it's a totally right, different right. world now you know the other thing you, you know i was thinking about i interviewed kevin sullivan many years ago and he talked about he knew paul Heyman was losing money on a lot of house shows when ECW would go to places like Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania and stuff because the except, payroll would be except, too high. Except when, I, except when I was on top. Of course, okay. except when you were on top. But he said, <laughs> but, but what he would say is Paul had to run those shows because not only did it give the guys a chance to get better, it gave the guys a chance to be part of the locker room and to build that sort of loyalty to each other and that trust with each other. So even though mm-hmm. he was losing money on the shows, what he was getting was not a fine was not a financial benefit, but it was it was it was collateral for the talents to know that they were going to get regular work and that they were going to work with all these people and that they could trust each other and that there was a brand that was built that was behind them. And I think that's part of the you know part of the legacy of ECW was it was kind of like the last territory in a lot of ways. Yeah. And, yep, yep. you know, no one else is kind of trying to do that sort of territory anymore. But you got better because you were working in Jim Thorpe and Glenn Olden oh, yeah. and Downingtown, Pennsylvania at the farm. You name it. You know, <laughs> everyone. And let me tell you, I, yeah, I never talked about that. I, I can't begin to tell you, Mike, you know, how much fucking fun 
I had on all of the miserable tasks, all the fun I had on those house shows we used to do all over the place, you know, and a lot in Pennsylvania, obviously. And we, we, and, and to Kevin Sullivan, who was one of my mentors and obviously Paul Heyman and, you know, that, that's so smart of Paul. And that was so smart of Paul because he, what he did was he built camaraderie amongst all of us in that locker room. And, you know, even though at times we were not all the best of friends, and I was kind of a loner anyway, as you know, but we still had a it's us against the world, men, us against the world mentality. That's, and I think that the live events, the house shows helped that. Yeah. And, and, and it allowed you to, to figure out who you were. That's the one thing people forget yeah, about the house right. shows. WWE will send guys out there and say, all right, try this. And they can go and try stuff, and it's not in front of 10 million people on the WWE network. You know, well, that's how I survive. If I survive, if survive, if I let you, I knew it was going to work because we practiced it on all these house shows. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and and it, and and it, it didn't click right away, and 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 mastered it. But no, and that's another thing that people don't realize. And I'm glad you brought that up, Mike, because you know that's that's very important because you can test things at house shows. Because I've said this a lot here on my show, Mike. You could fucking try moves and promos or whatever in a in a wrestling school all you want. You could do that all you want in a wrestling school. It don't mean shit until you do it in front of people. That's when you really get the right feel. So there there was a time, and again, it's like five years ago. I interviewed Lanny Poffo about his career, and he said something along the lines of, and I'm paraphrasing, "I had ten thousand bad matches, but lucky for me, they were in small territories where no one saw them except for the people in the building." That way, when I went to WWF and I got to be Leaping Lanny or and the genius, I was able to be what I could be, and I was able to, to perform the way that I performed. And you know, that's right. something that's kind of lost. You know, and, then, and that's why yeah. I'm glad they have like yeah. what they, they call like you know the 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 the, loo- the coconut loops in Florida. They kind of yeah, joke Florida, about yeah. them, you know, the NXT yeah, loops yeah. because it gives these guys and these girls a chance to go out there and perform, and they're in front of you know 100 to 400 people maybe on some of these smaller buildings, but it helps them figure out the kinks and and put things in execution that they're working on in the performance center because the only way you're going to learn is trial and error, and you don't want right. to be doing that. Mad- yeah, you don't want to be doing that. That's right. The performance center is only going to get you so far. I don't care how nice it is, how sleek it is. I don't care if they got Robert Brookside watching or Norman Smiley or Matt Bloom. It don't matter. Those guys are all, they're all smart guys. They know what they're doing. They're great at their jobs. But you're all, and they would all tell you the same thing I'm telling you. You got to fucking do this in front of people. And that's where live events are very important. That's why, you know, house shows, live events. I do think AEW is, in fact, pun intended, all in. And I do think. In about a year, my assumption, they'll get rolling with house shows as long as business is going well and, and you know, they're not losing a ton of money. You know, any bit new business that's you put a lot of money into it, I'm sure Tony Khan knows this better than me. He's much more successful than me, but you're going to lose money. And, you know, he's, he's probably ready to lose some money, but that's to be expected. I, I, I would think that guys that are of his wealth and, like, his family's wealth, they, you know, he's learned this. He knows this. So I think that's that that you know it just depends how long that's going to go till you start turning the profit. But I, you know, I, I I don't know. I got a good gut feeling about about what 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 uh, TK's doing and stuff like that and I the AW t- guys. Yeah, I think it's going to be t- good. I mean, listen, we're all going to know October third what the reality of the first audience will be. 
Right. And then from there, we'll see, you know, by, by the middle of December, it'll be interesting because we'll know what the NXT viewership will be by then, what the AEW viewership will be by then, and what the SmackDown viewership on Fox will be by then. And everything's going to kind of settle down into whatever it's going to be. But until we get four or six weeks removed from these debuts in the beginning of October, we're not going to really know what the, what the average weekly audience is going to look like. Then right. we're going to really know what the playing field is for the future. Well, speaking on that topic of numbers, uh, just give me a quick breakdown. What's going on? I, I didn't get a chance. Usually I check out your site, you know, you and Dave, PW Insider, for, like, the Raw SmackDown numbers. Where where, where, where are they at this week? I know Monday Night Football was real yeah, good. Yeah, Monday Night Football sacked them hard. No pun yeah, yeah. Yeah, Monday Night Football hit them hard on Raw. No pun intended. They were down. I think they were down, like, I think four hundred or 500,000. And then SmackDown, they were down just a little bit, not a lot. Uh, and they got to consider that a positive that, you know, the, you know, they didn't lose like a million viewers to Monday Night Football, you know, which right. is a massive, you know, it's the number one television entity in the world for, for oh, yeah. American audiences. Um, yeah. And so I, I don't think they probably weren't thrilled because you never want to lose ground, but it right. wasn't the massacre that I think a lot of people expected. So what do you hear, Mike? Because, uh, you know, uh, I mean, I, I won't I would not ask anyone there or him. Michael Cole. um, you know, I remember seeing a couple of weeks ago, again, talk about vacation, where they said Corey Graves was on vacation, and which shocked me, uh, the, not just the vacation, but Corey works Monday and Tuesday. He works two right. days a week. So usually, as an announcer, I live this, you know, there's definitely no vacation, because you could vacation the other five days. And so I don't know if he was really on vacation or if he was doing no, a movie. No, he was. He... 100% okay. vacation. Vic Joseph comes in. They, they remember that, that was the same show. They said Shawn Michaels was going to do the commentary, right? And then that didn't happen. Right, and, and then Shawn didn't do it. Ridiculous stuff. And then, long story long, what happens is Vic Joseph ends up doing it with Michael Cole and Renee Young. Now, what I found very interesting, and I talked about it briefly on one of the podcasts of mine, that Michael Cole gave Vic Joseph, or was told, one—I well, don't know what the backstory is. To take the lead He took the lead Play-by-play -play voice I was shocked That's like Just so people know Like in announcing Like you know You don't you know, When someone's in your booth As a, a guest Or as a fill-in Or whatever You don't give up That chair That's that's Unless you're told I don't know Maybe Michael Cole wanted to I don't know I don't know Maybe you heard something But I That I think Was a, a, an audition To be frank Because the scuttlebutt is I don't know if you You heard You'll speak in a second here But Mike But Vic Joseph, I guess, is going to be – that's the rumor that he might end up as the Raw play-by-play play -play, play guy where Michael Cole goes back to SmackDown, which um, – are you hearing something similar? I, I actually heard you're going to do all the commentary on all the shows. Ah, shit. They, hey, bro, they ain't calling me, bro. I don't know, man. They don't like me this month. What the past two no, months. No, in all seriousness, when, when Vic Joseph was signed, someone said to me, He's gonna be the new voice of WWE one day. Like right. They he's, signed he's very, him. Knowing, he's very good, by the way. He's very good. Oh, he's excellent. I, I I love the way he calls stuff. He he brings a sports mentality to it, but he also has that WWE sort of delivery. You right. know, he's right. not calling it like it's just a sport, but he, he kind of he puts his own flair in things. But he still, you can still hear Vince McMahon's voice in there a little. Sure. Bit. And um, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if what you said is true that he was that was kind of his unofficial official audition. And I haven't been told Cole's been moving. No one has said that to me, but I do know that there has been a lot of talk about when we go to SmackDown on Fox, we're going to have to have a different sort of delivery than we have on Raw, and SmackDown is going to be making us 
a little bit more money than Raw, so we kind of have to make sure SmackDown is as important, if not more than Raw, which, as you know, for many years, it was treated like the redheaded stepchild. Yep. It's kind of like Cousin Oliver from the Brady Bunch, yeah. for you old folks like me. <laughs> um, and we've already seen, you know, they kind of shifted around the 205 Live and the NXT announcing teams. Well, i got to be um, honest. They're, it's confusing. That would all, I mean, besides Raw and SmackDown, it's, they have too many announcers, and they hired more recently, and it just they, they, they're loading up on announcers, and... Uh, they got a lot of announce. I know they have a lot of programming. They have a lot of championships. They have a lot of shows. So you need announce. And they're and they're, exp- and they're expanding. They're going to be doing more digital programming right. and more network programming. And there's all the rumors of a Fox Sports show and all other things floating around. So I mean, you know, there's they're hiring more people. They just announced um, Mackenzie Mitchell, who is right. from Impact, right? Was hired. Yeah. Matt Camp, who did House of Hardcore, like Vic Joseph did before him, he was hired. So they're obviously they're gearing up for something. You don't yeah. you don't bring on more people unless you got more things for them to do. No, they're so they're gearing up, up for something. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's also partially, uh, to be honest, I think it's uh, let's prevent uh, others going to, uh, to 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 be with AEW in any way, shape, or form. I do think it's that too. Um, I do. Um, I I think that they'll they're grabbing people. They, they there's just some talented people you're talking about. Um, but I do think there's part of that. It's competition now in the business, which is nice. Um, but you know. I, I do think that um, I would I would strongly say that Michael Cole is going to go to SmackDown. I really believe that. I believe in this case, I know there's a lot of bullshit online, and I know guys like you, well, a guy like you, what you guys do with PW Insider, you got to be careful because there's so many copy-paste sites that are a load of bullshit. Um, but I got to tell you, there's a lot of this, and I think where there's smoke, there's fire with this one. I personally think Cole is going to be on SmackDown. Now, how he personally feels about it, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if he's maybe a little ticked because he's been on Raw for so long and for so many years, Raw was looked at as the mothership. But, you know, I could tell you this. Cole is going to be a pro no matter what show you put him on. If he's happy or not, you're, you, the audience, aren't going to know that. He's a he's a machine, and he he's very uh, very talented, and I know he gets a lot of – a lot of people don't like his style but and it, i could tell you from working with him closely for many many years he's a pro and he's a very hard worker um and even if he's not happy about his role or whatever you, you like i said to, not to be repetitive you, you won't know it because he he will bust ass on it and you know what maybe they want him on smackdown because he was such a big part of smackdown for so many years you know that's where he really you know rats really, really honed 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 his craft you know so um you know it, it could also it could and again i'm being completely 100 speculative here it could also be their network partner and fox is like hey we want we'd like michael cole to be the voice you never I know because they're going to they're going to work with uh, right. the partners to make right. them happy. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, and I, I they they both part both WWE and Fox have to work with each other. To your point, you just made Mike. You're right to keep each other happy, and you know, yeah, I could see that happening. That Fox maybe said we want Cole to be the voice of it uh, because you know, yeah, I could see that happening, and I think that'd be a great choice. Um, so maybe at that SmackDown reunion show. Uh, which I'm still, I don't know, I'm still waiting for that invite. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I guess I'm not getting one, more. I don't know. <laughs> That's because you were mean to Hornswoggle. No. <laughs> <laughs> Again with that fucking name. Um, so, <laughs> Brian, they let out the podcast. No, I'm kidding. Uh, so anyway, so that's it. So why don't you plug your stuff, you know, because, well, wait, before you plug it, like, you know, look, I want to say it, it, it's been great. You know, it's great having you back here 
on the Taz show, you know, you are for those new, I get a lot of new people all the time, you know what I mean? And this guy here that's on with me right now, Mike Johnson, was a big part of so many shows of mine. So always Daily Video Jones, everything. Always such a big part of everything, bro. So, you know, I'm happy that, you know, you you're back here uh doing again. I'm always ha- I'm I'm always happy to be here and I always like I have so many happy memories of the Taz show like when we were doing the video stuff every week and the lights went out remember that like <laughs> clap on. all the lights all the lights <laughs> in my house went on you know clap on clap off and uh you know I I I you know when you do the 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 specials and uh, you know, my brother's yes. a huge New York Mets fan, a huge right, sports fan. Right. So the fact I get to like text my brother, like, oh yeah, gonna be on WFAN this weekend. <laughs> like, you know, I kind of I get to needle him with that. Like, you know, and it's just fun to talk. It's it's fun to talk wrestling with you. It always well, has been. I and I always appreciate. You know, you're a self made guy. Thank you're you. a New Yorker like me. You built everything up on the on the strength of your own work and your own your own uh, confidence in yourself. And then you took that from pro wrestling into another realm, which is, it's not easy to pivot. A lot of people fail when they go from one thing to another. Yeah. Um, and you didn't do that. And you've always built upon it. And I always appreciated that. And, and quite honestly, you're always bluntly honest with me, whether we're on the air or not. And I always appreciate that feedback and crit- and critique when you do critique me from time to time privately. And I just like being here. Well, Mike, I appreciate that. Yeah, I appreciate that, and and that one comment was really strong. You put me over. I think I might get rid of the Bizanji open and just have that be the open. I mean, I would just put a little music bed under you. That was great. Um, Pay me my royalties. So, no, damn. Just oh, that we're working on it. Don't worry five... about that. All right, Mike. So why don't you go ahead? Aren't you going to plug your shit, or what are you going to do here? Yeah, I'm trying, but you keep putting me over. All right, so I'll put myself <laughs> over. Uh, you can check out my stuff at pwinsider.com. We update every day all the wrestling news that you're looking for. Usually, it's wrestling news that others take, but that's another story. Uh, we have a elite section at pwinsiderelite.com. If you hate advertising, trust me, we do too. And that version is uh, completely ad-free, and you get lots of audio discussions and things like that on pwinsiderelite.com. And you can check that out for three days free, or you can just follow me on Twitter at MikePWInsider and DM me, and I'll give you all the details. Wow, they're playing you off. You see that? It's, it's like the fucking Academy Awards, bro. You know what I mean? See I'd like thing? to thank... No, it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> remember you used to have the uh, Hispanic Mexican music underneath you Remember that? Oh yeah, the little salsa, I love that stuff Salsa Jones, that's gonna make a comeback Mike, I appreciate you coming on, brother Thank you, sir, good moment, everybody Good moment, hey, thanks everybody who downloaded this episode And Mike Johnson, always great uh, I appreciate all you guys Subscribe to the show if you're not Make sure you check out PW Insider for all that content Like Mike just plugged And I appreciate you guys, hope you enjoyed this episode Be back with another one real soon here I'm Taz, you're not, adios I've been wondering where the party at, cause all of my concerns got me.